Hey, welcome. Welcome to another episode of Just Ask Rethinking Development. I'm your co-host, Greg Jeffrey, founder of Catholic Development Group, and with me is Brian Wilburn from North Dakota State University's St. Paul's Newman Center. Brian, what's our topic for today? Our topic is four ways to stall your fundraising. Well, that sounds a little yeah. snarky. A little snarky. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's what I strive to do. When I come in each day, I say, you know, let's let's stall it today. No, I obviously it's a play on it, but nobody nobody comes in wanting to stall our efforts, but sometimes we're our own worst enemies, right? Yeah, it happens. Yeah, with some of the things. So that's kind of what this is, is it's laying out these things that you, 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 you do, but you don't want to do. So the first one, first way to stall your fundraising is approach and this is especially true if you are just beginning at an organization and they've dumped fundraising in your lap but approach things with a this is how we've always done it approach why so why that why this is how we've always done it i think because if you're being brought in there to turn things around or fundraise this is how we've always done it is probably not going to cut it and i think that too often when we start to fundraise I'm, I'm a context guy. It's my top strength in the Strength Finders is context. So I will gather as much information as I can before launching into something. And, and what happens is you usually talk to people in, in and around the organization who may have been there longer than you have to get a feel. But sometimes what I find is people don't like change. And if they, that's fine if you have a great fundraising system in place and things are rocking. But if they're not, that might be the first thing you've got to change, and people might resist that. Sure. That's very good. That, that's human nature. Yep, yep. So that's the first one is just, uh, again, not mind-blowing, but uh, just approach things with this is how I've always done it. That'll stall you out quick. The second is pack, and I, I'm very passionate about this one, pack your time with event planning. Just, oh, you feeling me, Greg? The second way to stall, <laughs> again, we're, we're, we're talking about ways to stall out your fundraising, yeah. and that is to spend all your time on golf outings and things yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. Let's do one more event, and that that will bring in the bucks. Well, explain that to people, because that's, that's what a lot of nonprofits yeah. do. I know, I know. A lot of times we think that, and the reason we think that, especially in the Catholic world, is because we're conditioned to, you know, a lot of the... Organization, organizations out there, um, some of them doing amazing work, you know, Knights of Columbus, things like that. A lot of them are really stuck to a model, though, of fundraising as events that, you know, you don't go out and just ask people for money. It, you know, you need to put on some event where they get something out of they it. They need to get something yeah, for their get, money. Yeah, they got to get no, something yeah. out of it, by golly. No, that's, uh, we do that all the time. And when you really dive into fundraising, you find out events are often the worst way to raise big money. Um, you're always going to have a better result having a real relationship and actually, um, I guess, asking people on a one-on-one basis. But with an event, you need to ask yourself, why are you doing it? And a lot of times, the best reason is because of increasing awareness or public relations. That's a great reason to do an event because you need to get more people excited and knowing about your mission. But too often we look at it and we say, well, that's the thing that's going to bring in a lot of money this year is the event. And I think that's a mistake. Right. I mean, I think events can be good for growing the number of first-time donors, especially yes. if you have an event like a dinner or something or dinner auction dance and somebody brings a friend or two and they get to know the organization that way. But the amount of time, I mean, the human hours it takes to yes. plan and execute plus the cost of the event itself, 
there's not you know, a huge margin left over in most cases. Yeah, it's you net can profit. You can justify it. Yeah, like you're, you know, we're saying if if you have a goal in mind of getting more new donors and again increasing awareness. But if you're doing it and each year, you know, your leadership is disappointed because, well, what the heck? It didn't, you know, we didn't get like a, the big bucks and the huge donations. It's like, well, that's that's not going to happen from events. So again. If you come into an organization and they have tons of events on the calendar, the first thing you might want to do is cut those because that will stall you out if you want to do some real fundraising and raise some real money. The third way to stall your fundraising is always cultivate but never ask. Hmm. Always cultivate but never ask. Do you want to unpack that for us? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, I think people, you know, it's it's self-explanatory, but I, I think too, uh, yeah, if I were to unpack it, I was visiting with a leader at a different organization and he it was, I think on his maybe like third or fourth fundraiser, right? Of Fundraiser meaning the person coming in to fundraise for them. And he was just really, I, I hated to see it. He was really down in the dumps and, 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 despairing because what he was finding is he he said brian i just need someone who's going to go do it he'd had too many people come in and they're always preparing 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 but they would never go make the ask or even if you are the leader in the organization oftentimes it's always it it feels uncomfortable to if you haven't been asking to go out and to start asking for the support you need so you will always be like, well, I had a really great lunch with him. I had a really great dinner. We went out and golfed or whatever you did. But then the time come, well, how do you expect to ever get support if you don't actually ask them? Right. So that's the, I think too often we can fall into that, this always cultivating, never asking. And the the, the other side of that is, yeah, you can ask too much or too quick, but I think way more often you're going to be people in the category of just always cultivating, especially if you're new to fundraising. Okay. The fourth point, and you could almost say this is one of the first things you're going to run into, but the fourth way to stall your fundraising, guaranteed, is leave your data all over the place. When you come oh. in, <laughs> Greg says that because he's had too many organizations that are just coming into a mess, right? You know, Brian, it happens all the time. So let, let, let me clip, make sure I understand what you're saying is put your data all over the place. What I see sometimes is there will be paper files on certain prospects there will be a fundraising database there will be a spreadsheet on somebody else's computer and none of the data is compiled into a single location where if i go to john doe's record i can see the entire story the the entire narrative of of the organization's relationship with him yeah that's that's a huge problem yeah huge it's absolutely huge and i I feel like you're reading my notes over here which greg Uh, does not have by the way but that's that's exactly it i'm stealing your thunder sorry (laughs) but it's just i'm I'm passionate about because it happens all the time we all do it especially if you again your organization is transitioning to a fundraising model from maybe say a traditional just parish weekend collection model. You're, you're starting to do development. This always comes up because nobody keeps records that way. Our Newman center, you know, we started out eight years ago, nine years ago, really getting into this. And the first thing father Cheney, our pastor wanted to do is he said, I'm going to hire a guy. And thankfully someone talked him off the cliff and they said, no, no, you aren't even close to ready for that. Your data is terrible. Basically you have hire a guy to do what? Um, to come in and, and start fundraising. And they said, you know, they, they did, he did a great kindness. He 
got all the data as organized as possible. Not perfect, but at least enough so that the person come in could do some real damage when he first got there and hit the ground running. And if he hadn't done that, you know, you're going to spend your first year or two getting the data right. And you might want to set expectations if you're coming into a situation like that, because all of it's everywhere. And, you know, like you were saying, Greg, as far as not having an accurate picture of, oh, just the relationship the organization has had with this person. You know, I mean, you don't know anything like unless and I hate that when so much stuff is in living memory. I always uh, joke with one of my uh, coworkers at the Newman Center. I always tell her, follow the bus rule, Emily. And she's like, the bus rule. And I say, yes, the bus rule. If you got hit by a bus tomorrow, who's going to know to do these certain things that you've been doing? Have you been doing your job so well? Listen to this <laughs> man, people. He's wise beyond his years. <laughs> let, let me piggyback on that, uh, Brian. You know, this. I currently have a client, and they've asked me to help them set up a development office. So it's a short-term three-month contract. And as part of that, the way I mean, you're validating what I'm doing because the mm-hmm. first step in all of that was set up the development database. Once we get that done, once we get it populated with all the information, then we'll hire the development director so that when the development director comes in, he's not spending the first three months with the clock ticking and people having expectations. Yep. Are we raising money yet? I'm, you know, that's almost like you know hiring a cab and having to sit out in front of the house for three hours while the, 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 while oh, the yeah. meter's running. Uber's right? going to charge you for that. Yeah, exactly. And so what we're what I what, what I've been doing um, this this last couple of weeks is looking at different fundraising development platforms. Now, at the top end of the of the scale, you've got very pricey, very sophisticated software like from the company called Blackbaud. And they've got a program called Razor's Edge. It's highly sophisticated. It's extremely powerful, but it's extremely sophisticated. So much so that if you're going to buy that piece of software, you really should have an experienced database administrator. Yes. Then you've got middle-tier softwares that are knockoffs that have all kinds of bugs in them and all kinds of problems. And then you've got a tier below that that's like 50 bucks a month and... I've got a client that's that's using this bottom rung tier piece mm-hmm. of software, and it's a development piece of software. There's not even a field in it, Brian, to put in the name of the solicitor. No. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what, what good is the piece of yeah. software? And so uh, I would just say, you know, before you buy a piece of software, you know, shoot us an email and I'll give you my personal recommendation because I've looked at tons of them and I found a really, really good one that's very, very modestly priced and easy to use. Yeah. Shoot us an email. I'll let you, I'll give you some advice on that. Yeah, that's uh, great, great advice, Greg. I mean, this is one of the, and that's probably the, the almost the worst way to stall your fundraising is just to have bad data because you really can't get going. Don't commit a lot of it to living memory or, you know, sitting in boxes, get it all in one spot. Even that alone will will set you off running in a faster direction. And the bonus one, if you want, uh, just a last bonus way to stall your fundraising is ask one person to do all of the external and internal operations of fundraising. I always think uh, it can be done, but you know, you really, the, it, it's like transitioning from having a horse and then having a, you know, a car. I mean, you're going to go so much faster if you take one person to handle that internal paper filtering side of things and one person who can go out and really run with it and ask people. And if you ask one to do all of it, you're going to be disappointed, I think. So by in, 
internal and external yes. activities. By internal, you're talking about the clerical work and the information keeping that mm-hmm. goes with entering gifts, yeah. uh, tracking yeah. event attendance, all those sorts of things. And then the external thing is actually going out and visiting with people and making friends for the organization. Is that right? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, and the people at uh, Dakota Medical Foundation here in Fargo always call it, uh, you know, you have the promise makers and the promise keepers. You know, mm-hmm. the people on the external, you're going out making promises. And the people on the inside, you make sure the promises get kept. You write and keep all of those records so that, you know, when someone says, well, hey, what did I give last year? Or, hey, you know, what what did what did they want that memorial, you know, to be for? Was it their mother? You know, all of these things, you know, you've got to have all that together. So, again, don't do any of these things that we said today. These are all ways to stall your efforts. These are not Brian and Greg's greatest tips for fundraising. Um, but Can if you, you recap those Four ways to stall your fundraising. Yes. Uh, can you recap? Uh, we, we'll yeah, so recap. number one was the first way to stall your fundraising. Listen to all those negative people in your organization that say this is how we've always done it. Number two was pack your time with event planning. Number three, always cultivate but never ask. And number four was leave all your data everywhere. And our bonus one was ask one person to do it all, to do internal and external. That's what we're here for, Brian. We give people bonuses all the time. <laughs> you guys get so they much bonus. They paid for four. Yeah. We gave them five. Come for the food, but stay for the friends, guys. <laughs> yeah. Hey, check us out next week. We've got something good for you. We're not going to tell you what it is because yeah. we don't know. But <laughs> it'll be good. But it'll be good. See you later, folks. <laughs>